All right, so this is going to sound pretty wimpy, right? Uh, I hate luggage. I hate it. I've flown to some pretty faraway places like Indonesia, Costa Rica, and I hate slogging through the airport with arms full of bags and backpacks on my shoulders. And, and my shoulders are pretty sensitive. So if I walk around with just a backpack on one shoulder, I'll be messed up for like a week. And it, I, I hate luggage. Have you ever met somebody that it's pretty obvious that they have baggage, right? Stuff that they haven't dealt with, that they just carry through life. Sometimes it's pretty evident because if you just so happen to bring up a hot bucket button topic in front of them, 45 minutes later, you're able to peel yourself away from that conversation and you just feel exhausted because somebody unloaded their baggage on you. Sometimes uh, you just start a conversation and it just flows out. Or maybe it's hidden baggage. Maybe it's that type of baggage that you don't tell anyone about. Maybe it's even something as tragic as abuse in your past. And even though you're innocent, you still carry it. Or maybe it's secret sins that weigh you down with guilt and shame, and it's heavy, and it's exhausting. This is baggage. And as we continue to talk about this subject, I want you to just draw a circle around yourself and just worry about what's in that circle this morning. And I want you to Think as we talk about this subject of baggage, what am I struggling with? What weighs me down? What distracts me? What pulls me and makes me weary? Now, a lot of people don't realize the Apostle Paul uh, talked a lot about sports. He loved to talk about sports. He mentions uh, athletes a few times. He talks about wrestling and boxing and most frequently endurance running. Paul and his audience would have been familiar with what was known as the Greek Isthmus Games, the precursor to the modern Olympics. But see, you don't become that kind of athlete on accident. It's intentional. It takes hard work and dedication with a big dose of natural gifts to be an Olympian. Now, as you can tell, I am not a runner. I like to hike, I like to play basketball, but if you see me running down the street, you should definitely start running too, because something is coming. In Hebrews chapter 12, Paul admonishes us to run the race that is set before us. See, we don't get to pick where we start in this race of life. Some of us were born into poverty. Both my parents grew up in trailer parks. But by the time I was born, they'd moved into the suburbs and both worked in the medical field. And my parents started off somewhere way different than I did. But we don't get to pick where we start. We also don't get to pick our gifts and abilities. 
Some of us are super smart. Some of us are physically gifted. Some of us can sing. Some of us are artistic. Some of us are people persons, while others of us are shy. And we don't all have the same gifts and abilities. But here's the awesome thing that you need to know today. It's a great blessing to know this, that we aren't racing each other. I'm not in this life trying to beat you out. I should be cheering for you. I'm not trying to keep up with the Joneses. I'm psyched for the Joneses. And I'm encouraging them to use what God gave them to love God and love people. See, we don't all start in the same place. We don't have all the same abilities, but we aren't racing each other. We are each running the race that God has set before us. It's not about running the fastest time. It's about continually running towards Christ. It's not about how many times you fall. It's about how many times you get back up. And some of you are sitting here and you look back on your life and you realize, I took some detours. And that turn I made really uh, left me off the path that I was supposed to be on. But now you're back on the right track. That's a win. So keep running the race that is set before you. Some of us may be here this morning getting tired and we're thinking about quitting. But see, God told us something amazing in Isaiah that if we place our hope in the Lord and not in temporary things, then we can run and not grow weary. We can walk and not faint. So if you're here today and you're tired and you're worn out and you feel like you're about to quit, you need to check your motivation today because it might just mean you've placed your identity in the wrong place. It might just mean that you're trying to please somebody you're not supposed to be uh, obsessed with pleasing. And if you're tired and worn out today, you might just need to check whether or not your hope is placed in the Lord because the Bible tells us we can run and not grow weary. So in Hebrews, Coach Paul gives us three tips on how best to run the race that we have been given. And that's found in Hebrews 12.1. If you've been around church for a while, you've heard this before. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before us, uh, before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, we have a race to run. And the writer of Hebrew tells us here to lay aside the weight, lay down the baggage that you're carrying through this life. So that's the first step to running well. Coach Paul says, lay aside the weights. Now this idea of weights gives this, uh, uh, you know, this picture of something that's hooked onto us, weighing us down. This word here for weights doesn't occur anywhere else in the New Testament. See, a professional runner is not going to be running in combat boots and a mink coat. 
They're going to go out there and get their lightest sneakers, the lightest shorts that are probably too short to be in public, uh, probably some type of tank top. But they're going to do their best to lay aside every weight that they can. They don't want to wear or carry anything that will slow them down or hold them back. Swimmers are the same way, right? They'll shave their head and their eyebrows and their armpits and legs to make sure that nothing is slowing them down. You're also not going to carbo load five minutes before the race with a pound of Alfredo, right? You don't want to weigh yourself down. And as applied to a Christian, this means that we should remove all that obstructs our progress in the Christian life. We need to get rid of anything that's going to hold us back, take our attention, distract our determination, because you can't run well with baggage. Andy Stanley says this. He says, your baggage is stuff from the past that keeps showing up. What is that in your life? Are you constantly talking and constantly thinking on and constantly remembering something way back in your past that you're still living in right now? This baggage is stuff from the past that shows up now, and a baggage makes the race harder. Baggage lets your past determine your present and your future. And let's be honest, you've been hurt, you've been betrayed. You've been left out. Things haven't been fair. It wasn't okay. You made sacrifices that you shouldn't have been asked to make. And all that left you angry and vulnerable and suspicious. And you don't want to unpack all that. Nobody likes to think about that. Nobody wants to look at it. But if you want to stop carrying it, you might need to. And in some cases, you might even need a counselor or a therapist to help you unpack all that. But you can't keep carrying baggage and be expected to run well. You have to lighten your load. And here's the secret. The people around you that are close to you know that you have baggage. They know. Now, you might have lashed out to them two times, uh, too many times for them to be honest with you anymore. I don't do that. I don't sound that way. But they know whether or not you have baggage. Some of you dads unload the baggage from the mistakes of your dad on your kids, and it comes out in anger and judgmentalism. That's not fair. You need to deal with your baggage. Moms, maybe you can hear that same hurtful words come out of your mouth that your mom said to you. You're still carrying that hurt. And hurt people hurt people. See, the problem with shoving this stuff deeper down inside of you is it lifts weights down there. And it comes up stronger and uglier. And the further it gets in the past, it gets heavier and heavier as you drag it along. You might need to have an honest conversation with your friends and family and ask them, do I have any baggage? A friend and I, a few years ago, had a hard conversation like this. We had gotten in this pattern of an unspoken competition with each other. And the dumbest things would start an argument. It seemed like no matter what, we were always going to be on the opposite sides. We finally addressed it. 
We finally had to say things like, hey, we've known each other our whole lives. We're in each other's corner. I respect you. I want you to succeed. We aren't trying to beat each other. And it's been much better since because we don't hear every word laced with that baggage that comes along with it. And every word isn't a challenge to our intelligence or our character. Why? Because we dropped the weight. We dropped the baggage. You have to work on this stuff. You have to be brave enough to ask why you get so angry when. You need to ask yourself why you feel the need to let everybody know every opinion that you have. What drives you crazy? What causes emotional outbursts? And trace that back to some hurt or pain that you have carried with you and dumped on other people. And you might look around and say, you know what? There's been like three people who have told me I have this problem. I'm sure it's all them though, right? Yeah. They're the problem. No, but if, if more than one person tells you you struggle with something, you might just need to investigate that and seriously consider that you have a problem. Why? Because you have a race to run. And you can't run well with baggage. You have to forgive and leave it behind and stop letting your mind go there. And every time it does, forgive them again. See, sometimes in church we have this like mystical idea of forgiveness that we're going to pray and say, God, please help me forgive them. Okay, I forgive them. Over. It's done. That's not how it works. No, what you got to do is you got to continually over and over and over again forgive them and say, God, help me not to go there anymore. Help me to leave it in the past. Help me to drop the baggage. And every time... That comes up in your mind again. You forgive them again and ask God for his forgiving power. And then you cancel the debt that you think that they owe you. Why? Because they don't have the power to fix it anyway. If you have a struggle with your dad because he wasn't around back when you were 13 years old, how could he ever possibly pay that back? And you can't live in that and say, you know, I'm going to hold that debt over his head because you will never be happy. And you'll carry that bitterness and resentment through your life. And it will weigh you down and it will stop you from being able to love and be vulnerable. You've got to forgive the debt. That's not saying it's okay that it happened. But you're releasing the person from ever being able to pay you back. And as you work through this process of forgiveness, and every time it creeps in your mind, you forgive again. And as you do that, those voices will grow quieter and quieter till you realize your present isn't controlled by your past anymore. And that you can lay down those weights so that you can run. Now, sometimes baggage is things that aren't in itself necessarily bad. It's not a sin to race in combat boots. It's just stupid. It's not wrong to take a snowboard to Hawaii. It's silly. It doesn't make any sense. It's wasteful. And sometimes things aren't bad, but they're holding you back if you're trying to win a race. So maybe that's you this morning. What for you are some of those things? Maybe you carry your work with you everywhere. On vacation, lying in your bed while you try to play with your newborn. Lay it down. The Bible tells us the Sabbath, and that is a big part of Sabbath 
It's not just going to church on Sunday. It's releasing responsibility for everything that could possibly happen. And saying, God, I am going to rest with the faith and the trust that you're going to take care of it. And you're going to work even though I'm not going to work. Maybe it's your phone addiction that you carry with you all over the place. Or maybe you're obsessed with money or a person. And it might not be evil, but it's weighing you down. Give it to God over and over until it doesn't have that same pull on you anymore. Lay down the baggage. That brings us to number two. It says lay aside the sins that cling to us. The word in the Greek here for clings closely to us is only used this once in the New Testament, and it means things that are handy. Every single one of us have sins that are easy for them to fall into. For some of us, it's pride. For some of us, it's lying. For others of us, it's sexual sins or alcoholism. You need to identify your handy sins and make preparation against them. That might mean you memorize scripture pertaining to that sin or read godly books about that problem or get accountability from someone you can trust. Keep in constant prayer that God gives you the strength to defeat that temptation because he told us he'd always give us a way of escape. See, that's the piece of repentance that we often miss. It's not just admitting that sin is bad and that it's slowing me down. But repentance is making plans and arrangements for that next time the temptation comes. And maybe you're being held back by handy sins that you're carrying around. Give it to Jesus over and over. Repent, lay it down, accept the forgiveness and the freedom, and be intentional to create a plan of how you're not going to pick that up again. Then lastly, our coach here tells us not only to lay down the weights and lay down the sins that cling easily to us, but also to run with endurance. That means to run with patience and perseverance and determination. Why? Because it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. So you're going to have to have endurance. And it's all about that next Step, that next moment. you got to keep running on. Paul wanted to run with endurance. And at the end of his life, he rejoiced that he felt like he had done just that. He told young Timothy this in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished the race. And I kept the faith. Paul is essentially throwing his hands up at the end of this race set before him. And he shouts out, I did it. I made it. But he didn't just do it for himself. He did it for Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that victory is available to you as well. If we can lay aside the weights and the sins and run with endurance. How do you run with endurance? Do we just try harder and run in our own strength and beat ourselves into submission? No, we look to the example of Jesus. Run like he did. These verses go on in verse 2 in Hebrews 12. It says to look to Jesus. How do we run with endurance? Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Well, how did he run with endurance? Who for the joy that was set before him, that's our salvation. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. 
despising the shame. He wasn't excited about this process of going through the cross. But he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God, a place of victory. Many in churches start off well in their walk for Christ. They're excited and they love Jesus, but then they get distracted by the politics and the traditions and the buildings and getting things their way and and lifting themselves up as arrived. Or maybe they fall into apathy and they just fall asleep and they... They lose that joy and that wonder of their salvation and the gospel that's been given to us. Or maybe they fall into worldliness and become too invested in the things of this world. But a runner who can keep his eyes on Jesus, a runner who reminds themselves how Jesus didn't quit before the cross and his love held him there on that tree and he did so much for us. A runner like that can run a little longer for him. That's a runner that can finish well. Because not everybody finishes well. Not everyone fights a good fight. Not everyone runs with endurance. Paul asks the church in Galatia this, in Galatians 5, 7. Paul says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Paul is telling that church they took their eyes off the grace and the gospel, and they tripped up. In the future, we may look at some of you and say, you ran well. What hindered you? Those that have been in the church for a long time might be able to look at others and say, not in a place hopefully of judgmentalism, but a broken heart, and say, hey, remember when so-and-so was so excited about Jesus? And remember when they just wanted to be around God's people and they couldn't get enough of God's word and they shared what they had with people that needed it? They couldn't stop talking about Jesus. What happened? Why did you quit? Why did you get messed up with the weights and sins of this world? Why did you take off uh, your eyes off of Jesus? The Bible also tells us that we have to run with caution, looking around because the days are evil. This isn't just some walk in the park. There are traps lying in wait. There are temptations. There are uh, uh, the evil trying to pull us away from this race and to cause us to fall and to trip up. We've got to lay aside the baggage. That stuff that you're carrying through this life that happened a long time ago. And it's slowing you down and it's got you distracted. It's bitterness and resentment over things that people can never even fix. That stuff in your past that's changing your present and your future. Some of us aren't moving because we're piled under a hill of baggage. Lay aside the bag. Lay aside the sin that has gotten you off course. Those handy sins. Run with endurance by looking to Jesus. Run like Jesus. Run motivated by the love that Christ showed for us. He did it so that you could do it. Bakila was a last-minute addition to the Ethiopian Marathon Squad back in 1960s at the Summer Olympic Games in Rome. 
A few days before he was set to leave for the big games, his shoes fell apart. And despite a long search, he couldn't find a pair of comfortable shoes that was comfortable enough for him to be able to race 26.2 miles in. So instead of settling for a mediocre pair of shoes, (laughs) that's perfect, keep that going, he ran arguably the most important race of his life barefoot, and he won. And in doing so, he became the first black African to win an Olympic gold medal. And this all goes to show that while technology and where we start and and all the things that we have can help an athlete succeed, it's not about the stuff, it's about the athlete. And the same is true in your life too. Stop using where you started as an excuse. Stop using uh, what you don't have as proof of what you can't do. Stop carrying what someone did to you for the rest of your life. God has laid a race before you. Run it. You're not competing against anyone else. Stop uh, comparing where you are to where they are. You didn't start in the same place. There's a quote from the movie Hustle that says this. It's you against you out there. And that is true of this race of life. So set your eyes on Christ. Leave the baggage in the past. Put it down. Lay it down. Be careful about those handy sins. Make a plan. That's what repentance is. Not just admitting that it's bad, but making a plan to not let it conquer you again. Lay down the handy sins and run your race. With every head bowed and eyes closed, as the worship team comes, what are those things in your past that keep coming up. Something somebody did to you, something someone said to you, a feeling of insecurity. What baggage are you carrying around? There's been times in my life where uh, someone kind of lashed out at me and it became very clear that I wasn't actually the person that they were arguing with person that they were arguing with was someone back in their past that had hurt them, but they were carrying that baggage around and applying it to every relationship. What weights do you need to lay down? Maybe it's not some pain in your past. Maybe it's something that's not really bad. It's just a distraction. Maybe it's some temptation, some handy sin that's so easy for you to fall into. Well, the Bible gives us a plan. The Bible gives us the ability to call out to God and ask for help to not be delivered into that temptation. 
God tells us that there's a way of escape. God tells us that we should lean on one another and get accountability for those sins. We've got to make a plan. Memorize scripture. Hide it in our heart. Maybe you're that one that you're about to quit. You're about to, to fade into the distance. The Bible tells us that we can run with endurance. That we can be patient. Maybe whatever you've been hoping for hasn't come to pass. The Bible tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick, and that's real. Don't give up. Hope in the Lord. Maybe you need to run with determination. God's Word never told us that this would be easy, but it will 100% be worth it. I don't know what you're struggling with today and where in this race you need to trim uh, some things off of you so that you might run well. Whatever that may be, you take some time right now in prayer and ask God what you need to do to run the race that's set before you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not sure yet that you're even a follower of Jesus. And you're open to the idea. Uh, maybe you grew up in church or you, know, you, you consider yourself fairly spiritual. Those are all good. But see, the Bible tells us that we have a big problem, and that problem is sin. Romans 3.23 tells us that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it's good to be generally uh, open to Jesus being Savior, but that's not enough because Christ died for those sins. The Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved because we have an issue that sin separates us from God. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ laid down his life on a cross. He lived a perfect and a, whole, uh, a holy life for 33 years so that an innocent person could die for all of us guilty people. Romans 5.8 says that God commended his love towards us. And even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. If you've not started this race with Jesus yet, you're open to the idea. But you haven't made that choice yet, once and for all. You've got to understand that you're a sinner. That Jesus paid the price for your sin. You need to put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross. It's the only means of your salvation. Not your works, not accomplishments. Put your faith on Him, once and for all. You could call out to him. Words aren't important. And just say, God, I'm a sinner. I know it. I'm sorry. God, save me. Forgive me. I put my faith in you. As the band plays, we will go into a time of worship. If you're still dealing with whatever God spoke to your heart about, feel free to 
Just continue to be in this attitude of prayer. Maybe you're someone that hasn't accepted Christ yet. Hey, it's okay if you need to pray through this song. To call out to God. Let's stand and worship Him.